Bigger on the Inside presents Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who, Assimilation Squared. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is Dan Toland. How you doing, Dan? I am doing well, sir. How are you? I, 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 I'm good. I don't know why mm -hmm. I stammered over my over my words there, but I am <laughs> definitely good. Um, mm -hmm. I'm excited because in a first, there's two firsts actually. Mm -hmm. uh, the first, first. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've already been recording for an hour, people. You know, I know, forgive I know. me. Um, is that this is my first bigger on the inside special? Excellent. This is Welcome the third one. Thank you. Thank you. You've done the previous two, so mm -hmm. this is this is a treat for me. And in another first on Bigger on the Inside, we are going to be talking about comic books. Mm -hmm. For those of you that haven't heard about this, Star Trek The Next Generation slash Doctor Who Assimilation Squared came out in uh, 2002. Mm -hmm. And it was an eight 2012. issue. 2012. Yeah, 2012. I just can't get that right. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it was an eight issue miniseries published by IDW that saw, as the title implies, Star Trek The Next Generation crossover with Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a real quick synopsis of this. Uh, can I give the creative teams first? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, it was written by David and Scott Tipton with an assist from Tony Lee for the first few issues. Mm -hmm. Pencils uh, for issues one through three were by J.K. Woodward and by Gordon Purcell for issues four through eight. J.K. Woodward then did painted art for all eight issues. The uh, issue three had a flashback. That art was by the Sharp Brothers. It was lettered by Sean Lee and edited by Denton Tipton. Okay, so the, the very basic plot synopsis mm -hmm. is that the Cybermen have found a way to cross from the Doctor Who universe into the Star Trek universe. Yeah, they did. Yeah, totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> because what they want to do is they got wind of the Borg, and they realized how similar the Borg were to them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, let's team up, and we can take over your universe, and then once we do that, we can just take over pretty much all of space and time, all of these different realities, and uh, be just totally awesome i guess that that's how the sales pitch ended we'll just be totally awesome guys yeah. uh, well the doctor somehow it isn't quite explained somehow finds himself transported to the star trek universe and uh, the tardis uh, materializes inside the uh the d's holodeck because you know the d we're close like that i can call it the d inside the enterprise d's holodeck and he has to he amy and rory have to team up with the enterprise d crew um to stop this combined force of the borg and the cybermen now part way through the cybermen actually stage a coup and end the alliance so the enterprise crew and the doctor have to team up then with the borg of all people to uh actually stop the cybermen from uh, reaching the Borg homeworld, because if they do that, they'll have access to all the Borgy tech or something. I'm not quite sure what that was all about. So yeah, they have to they have to stop uh, the Cybermen from taking over the Star Trek universe, right? 
pretty much. Anything else you want to add to that synopsis? I think that that covers the bones of it. Okay. I cool. think that we will definitely be kind of opening it up. Okay. Cool. So, uh, initial thoughts about Star Trek The Next Generation slash Doctor Who Assimilation Squared. Okay. My initial thoughts. Okay. First of all, um, I, I can't really say this without kind of starting here. Generally speaking, licensed comics are terrible. Yes. More often than not. Um, you know, I am a gigantic fan of both of these properties, Next Gen and obviously Doctor Who, because that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. I do not believe, I couldn't, I, I, I can't, I can say with my hand on my heart, I'm not entirely sure I've ever read a Next Gen comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before, and, I, and, 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 you know, we'll also talk about this, before it got to IDW, the Doctor Who comics that I'd read tended not to be very good. Mm. Okay. I'll be honest, when this first came out, like a year and a half ago, um, I did not read it. Mm-hmm. In fact, Wendy was on the subway one time, and she said that she saw somebody on the subway reading an issue of this, and immediately came home and said to me, Why did you not tell me this was a thing? <laughs> Uh-oh. Because she's also a big fan of both of both uh, properties. Someone sleep on the couch that night. <laughs> I, I might have, to yeah. be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I honestly did not have hugely high hopes of this going in. I mm-hmm. did wind up eventually reading issue one. Mm-hmm. Liked it well enough, but did not continue with it. Mm-hmm. All that said, I thought that this was actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, for what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, comics are, licensed comics are really hard to do well. Right. They really are. And I will say this. I think that IDW has done fantastic things with the Doctor Who license. I think that Tony Lee, who, again, did, is kind of credited with an assist for, like, issues one through, I think, three, um, has the Doctor's voice cold. And I actually have read quite a few of his Doctor Who comics in the last few years. Because even if the stories themselves aren't always super fantastic, he definitely gets the voices right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the case here. I think that this is better than I think it probably could, should have been. That does not make it a super fantastic, awesome comic that right. will go down in history. Yeah. Um, what about you? Well, when I first heard about this one... I did sort of go, wow, a dream come true. But mm-hmm. then, uh, licensed comics. Mm-hmm. Worse yet, licensed crossover comics. Yeah. Rarely, if ever, are, are good. I mean, well, we'll get, I'll save that for later. We'll, we'll get into that because that gets to the end of this book. Right. But I did order uh, through DCBService.com. Plug. Mm-hmm. Um Wait, they don't sponsor this show. No, they don't. No, they no, don't. no plug, no plug. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, through DCBService.com, I did order um, all eight issues. Mm-hmm. And when the first one arrived, I eagerly tore into it. It was like the first book that I got in, that I read in that month's stack. Mm-hmm. And I was a little disappointed because the TNG crew only shows up in the last panel. Yeah. And it's just some very inconsequential Doctor Who uh, episode slash story going on through the bulk of it. You know, we, we get the setup of what's going on with the Borg and the Cybermen, but I was really pissed that 
you know, here's this giant crossover, has the Star Trek logo first yeah. in the title, and we don't properly get the Star Trek stuff, you know? Yeah. But overall, I I did enjoy this for what it was. Mm -hmm. um, you were speaking about Tony Lee really nailing the Doctor's voice. Mm -hmm. And I think with but one exception, um, he, he and all the writers got the TNG crew's voices yeah. down pretty good. The I only exception being Picard keeps saying top speed or something like that. When, he, when yeah. normally he would say maximum warp, you know, it's yeah. like Picard never, ever, ever used this phrase. And in yeah, the that's, series, that, he that's, keeps that's, using yeah. it. That's, that, that's a Kirk phrase. Yeah. Oh, was it a Kirk phrase? Okay. He, he didn't do it all the time, but he did it often. Okay. I, 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 I couldn't remember that. But um, yeah, so I, I know that's a niggle, mm -hmm. but you know, yeah, the voices were like, I, I was reading this, and I was I was hearing, I was really yeah. hearing uh, Picard and Riker and the Doctor mm -hmm. and everybody. Yeah. Um, now there was something else I was going to say that I completely forgot. Oh no! Oh, I hope that comes back because it was mega important, world changingly. And no, it wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's sort of my initial thoughts, uh, my opening thoughts of of this series. Yeah, so. I think that again. Um, I think that generally speaking, IDW does a really good job with his licensed books. Mm. Uh, you know, or, or better than most companies do. Mm -hmm. It's probably a better way to say it. Obviously, they've got you know they've got these two. They've got other Star Trek books. They've got GI Joe. They've got Transformers. They've got just all kinds of licensed properties. That's really their bread and butter. Yeah. And by and large, they do a really good job with it. I think that the Tipton brothers are. You know, they're they're the main writers. I think my I I don't know for sure. My under, my, my my belief is that Lee kind of came in to do Punch Up. Mm, okay. But that Tipton the Tiptons really were the main writers. Okay. But I thought that they really did a really good job mm -hmm. uh, in terms of as you say getting the voices correct. Mm -hmm. and this is what I thought was really interesting. Usually when you have something like this going on, you've got the BBC on one side and you've got Paramount on the other, kind of saying, okay, make sure this happens and this happens and this doesn't happen and you know. This many pages for this character, and this many pages for this character, and this, that, and the other thing. But this was really, this was like, this is basically a Doctor Who story mm. with the crew of the Enterprise standing in for Unit. Okay, that's a good point, yeah. You know, uh, the Doctor was really who was in charge here. Mm -hmm. And the Enterprise crew just sort of went along with what he t was telling them to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it was awesome that the, that the you know, Picard and, and, and the crew were in this, but this really, for me, felt like this was the Doctor's story. I would agree for like the last few issues. At that yeah. point, it really becomes a Doctor Who story for me. Right. But prior to that, it, it, it's more of a Star Trek story for me. Mm -hmm. And this is what I was going to say a minute ago and had slipped my mind is I love Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. I mean, I, in my opinion, Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek series, but Star Trek The Next Generation is like it for me. And yeah. Don't get me wrong. I also love TOS and to mm -hmm. a certain extent Voyager has eh, got some good stuff and Enterprise has got its good stuff too. Mm -hmm. That being Scott Bakula. But right. what do you call it? So um, I, I love this show and I'm used to its format. Mm -hmm. I love its format, and it, I loved it because it wasn't the original series, where it was really mm -hmm. like, Kirk's going to run at a monster and dropkick it. 
Which right. he does in this comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that flashback yeah. in a second. Yeah. A Kirk Chopkick. You know, but TNG was very much a more cerebral show mm-hmm. for the most part. It did have its action. So there were a lot of meetings. You know, oh, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this. How are we going to solve the problem? Now we're going to implement the problem or implement the solution. Oops, that didn't work. Let's try this thing, you know? Yeah. But this book, these eight issues, up until the last few, or for me, it became a Doctor Who story were, to use a phrase someone else had coined, were meeting-tastic. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about here, some years ago, Mm -hmm. I I assigned a... uh, Wait, did did it start out as... It was an issue that you assigned to me for Is It Wednesday? Yeah. And then did, did we do a review of it as a episode we of Earth 2.0 at the show, right? We did. We did Waiting for the Trade for the whole for the whole book. That's it. But yeah. I did one issue. Like I did like the worst issue. <laughs> for waiting for the for, the is best it issue, yeah. sir. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, well, what we're talking about here <laughs> is some years ago, I assigned Dan uh, a rev- to, to review a comic called Ultimate Human, which mm-hmm. was about Iron Man and the Hulk and the Ultimate Universe. It's an alternate reality for people who don't know what the Ultimate Universe is. Because I have to be aware that a lot of our listeners mm-hmm. may not necessarily read comics, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so pardon me if I over-explain things, guys. Well, you know, you get a book that has Iron Man and the Hulk in it, they're, they're going to beat each other up. Well, there's one issue that doesn't focus on any of the title characters. Mm-hmm. It's just these random people sitting in meetings for like 22 pages. Yes. I think it was good. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> you are mistaken. <laughs> there is also that. <laughs> yeah. And I believe you did call it meetings-tastic or something like that. I think I like did, that. yeah. And that's what this whole, the bulk of, I shouldn't say this whole, but the bulk of this series was. It was like, okay, we got to go talk about this thing. And now we're going to talk about this and this and this. And I was like, oh my God, get out of these meetings. But then that did remind me that that's what TNG is. I was just going to say that. Now, in a 45 minute, you know, uh, live action TV show, it doesn't seem as bad. You know, because you got the characters moving around. You know, you got the actors putting little nuances here and there. But eight issues of this, okay, okay, it's probably more like six, you know, of that really exposes what, I don't want to say as exposes isn't the right word, but yeah, it, it doesn't quite do TNG proud. Yeah. I mean, you cannot stand there with your hand in your heart and say that, that Star Trek The Next Generation did not spend an awful lot of time in that conference room oh yeah yeah they did they absolutely did almost every episode had at least a five minute scene of everybody sitting there saying well what are we dealing with well what can we do well what's going to happen well now that you know every single episode had that to some degree or another some episodes had it much more than than five minutes quite frankly oh yeah but um you you cannot have a story that takes place on the enterprise d and not have a significant amount of time in that conference room that said Later on in the issue, you know, they even said, okay, we need to figure out what we're dealing with. Let's go to the conference room. And, and the Borg that they have just says, no, we just, just, just say what you're saying. Just, just talk. You don't need to set up a meeting. <laughs> I, I legitimately laughed when that scene happened. It was, yeah. I, I don't know if they were being, if they were poking fun at themselves at mm. TNG or if they just put the line in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. I was like, thank you, Mr. Borg. Thank you very <laughs> much. <laughs> I love the conference room. I love it. I do. But I'm tired yeah. of seeing this thing. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm going to say myself, for me, I also love TNG. Mm. 
of the mod, like of the the more re- modern because they're yeah. twenty five years old at this point. Of the more recent Trek series, that's my favorite mm-hmm. by far. And part of why I like it is that it's quieter, that it is more cerebral, and that they do spend like send they spend more time sitting and thinking about things before actually launching themselves into it. Yeah, I realize that that's what turns a lot of people off of it, but that is kind of what I like about it. Mm-hmm. But it is true that you know we've got eight we've got eight issues of comics here, guys. Let's just let's just Let's get this show on the road. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, although it, it did mean that it was very true to the original source material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the fact that, let's face it, they come, this, this basically comes right out and says that if you put the Cybermen and the Borg in a room together, it's not even a contest. It's going to be the Cybermen that come out on top. I didn't like that. And I'm uh. surprised that. Um, Paramount, I guess it would be, mm-hmm. allowed that. Yeah. Um, I have no problem that infighting happened between the two groups and mm-hmm. they splintered off and the Cybermen were doing their one thing and the Borg did the other. But it wasn't like, oh, the Cybermen outsmarted the Borg. They just beat them a little. Is 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 it? It really did come down to no. The Borg are crappy. And there's there's no reason they should even I don't know it just it, it basically made me go it, it made the doctor like super Batman like Bat mm-hmm. God you yeah. know it's like so the doctor can beat the Borg and he can beat the Cybers but the TNG crew struggles against the Borg who these other people are beaten quite handily you know what I'm saying yeah I guess I didn't read it the same way because I actually liked it okay. I liked it that they, first of all, that they didn't go down that road. That they didn't have that very obviously corporate controlled, make sure everybody gets the same amount of screen time, make sure everybody's as powerful as everybody. I liked that they actually sat down and thought about it. And at, even if you don't agree with what they came up with, that they had reasons for it. Right. They said, okay, here's what's going on. The Borg, and they flat out say it, the Borg are more powerful than the Cybermen. They have much more power to dispose than Cybermen do. The Borg are completely emotionless. They're basically running a computer program that, you know, that they have to run, that they can't deviate from. Mm-hmm. The Cybermen claim to be emotionless, but in reality, they're evil, they're driven, they're ambitious. And because they want it more, mm-hmm. because they actually, you know, it would not have occurred to the Borg to do this to the Cybermen. So because of that, the Cybermen were able to just step in once they got a hold of the Borg's tech. Once they got a hold of their technology, they were able to just step right in and just wipe the floor with the Borg. Mm, okay. Because they were because they're more ruthless. Okay. So because of that, even if you don't necessarily agree with it, because the fact is, it sounds like the Cybermen just took out the Borg in an afternoon. Oh yeah, pretty much so. You know, and I'm not sure I, I buy that. However, I do buy that Cybermen would try, mm-hmm. and I do buy that at the end of the day they probably would win because they they are more. You know, more cunning and ruthless than the Borg actually are. Okay. okay. Once you take, okay, once you take, like, you know, but Dan, there's the Borg Queen! No, once you take, like, the Borg Queen out of the equation. And that should always be the case. I know. Then, yeah, really. Then, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I don't have a problem with it. And I actually like that they were not wishy washy about it. Okay. Okay. Um, shoot. Oh, oh, oh. One thing I want to tell people, because I, I totally turned into a geek about mm-hmm. this because mm-hmm. I needed to figure out when this story was set yes. in the TNG timeline. Uh-huh. Um, Cause they give us a very specific star date uh, at the start. It's four, five, six, three, five point two. Yeah. That puts this uh, just after the outcast. Right. 
just before cause and effect. That's right. But it also puts it slightly before I Borg. Mm-hmm. And that is very important because Captain Picard's reaction to the Borg in this one means that he hasn't had his interaction with Hugh yet from mm-hmm. iBorg. Right. Because Picard is so like, no, let the Cybers and the Borg destroy the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the Enterprise back to Earth. Mm-hmm. We're going to go on holiday. Yeah. And we'll... For all we know, the war could take forty years. They'll whittle each other down, and then we'll just come up. We'll come up from behind and just mop up the mess. You know, now, Mike. For the benefit of people like me on the inside, listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with with Next Gen, sure, we should talk about the fact this takes place well after Best of Both Worlds. Right. Exactly. I didn't think about that. Okay. So, if if you're not completely familiar with Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, Captain Picard. In an episode called the best, a two-parter called the best of both worlds, it ends the third season and starts the fourth season. Mm-hmm. Picard got turned into a Borg, and they were able to save him from the or pull him back from the Borg collective. And this book addresses that several times, actually, and does it quite mm-hmm. well. I think there's like an entire issue that's kind of devoted to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we see it where Guinan tells the Doctor what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the Doctor traveling back to Wolf Three Five Nine, the battle. Of mm-hmm. you know from the I mean it's there's several points where they come to this, but because Picard was turned into a Borg, and was pulled back from it, even though he no longer has the Borg pieces in him, he remembers what the Borg did to him. Not just the surgical alterations, but the fact that they 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 turned him into someone called Locutus, mm-hmm. and they made him. They used his knowledge to destroy like. Was it? I forget how many star starship starships it was, but like mm-hmm. eleven thousand people died because Picard was forced to be a Borg, mm-hmm. and so this scars the shit out of him, and he hates the Borg more than anybody else because of this. Mm-hmm. So when we get to I Borg and he meets a Borg who starts to see still looks like a Borg, but he starts to regain some of his humanity, Picard starts to soften on the Borg a little. But because this story takes place prior to Iborg, he is very much like, F- them, let them destroy each other. I don't care if the Cybermen win, because F- the Borg. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, they, they nailed that perfectly for me. Picard was maybe a little too... Um, they might have harped on it a little too much, but mm-hmm. I believed it was something Picard would say in this era. And that's why I needed to stress when this was set, pre-Iborg. That's why that started. It was so yeah. important to me. Because it was after Iborg, he wouldn't quite react that way. Well, I mean, because you guys remember, too, the, the, the whole, his whole thing in First Contact, mm. you know, was basically, Iborg, they should all die. Look what they did to me. You know? So, I mean, obviously, and that's not the sort of thing a person gets over. Ever. Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. So because, you know, this this... You know, acknowledges the fact that you know the best of both worlds, in addition to being probably the best storyline in the show, mm-hmm. um, was such a major, major part of of Picard's history. They, 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 you couldn't ignore that. Yeah, you, you couldn't have a Borg story and not have him, especially one that basically takes place fairly soon after. Yeah, uh, the best of both worlds. That he is going to just flip his at the prospect of of teaming up with the Borg. Yeah. He's just not, you know, and it takes like two issues for him to finally say, okay, you know what, fine, we'll do it. Yeah. And even still, he's like, what, we're bringing phasers along? Mm -hmm. They can't have their assimilation technology with them? Yeah. It is like, 
he, he he's he, he's going along with it, but it, 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 at the first chance, he is going to shoot this one Borg if he if he even looks shifty. You yeah. Know? Um. Now, one other thing with the star date is uh, we get another star date during the flashback sequence, mm-hmm. which was three three six point three 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 six eight point five, mm-hmm. and that's um. Well, TOS wasn't exactly good with their star dates. You know? They were very loose with the star dates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that puts this the flashback sequence just before a muck time. Mm-hmm. The the one basically Spock's horny. Okay, you know, because again, we we I don't think we even really touched on this in issue three. Yeah. Most of issue three is actually devoted to a flashback sequence where the TOS crew <laughs> team up with the fourth Doctor to fight the invasion Cybermen. Yeah. <laughs> And the art is awesome. It is pretty cool, actually. Yeah. I mean, I got to be honest. When the flashback sequence ended, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was so sad. I was so into these guys, you know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they didn't quite have Four's voice down. No. I don't think. But it was very fun to kind of see him just kind of, you know, nudge the, 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 the Enterprise crew into doing what he needed them to do. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's heading out jelly babies and he's smiling at everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and as you say, you know, Kirk is doing flying drop kicks across yes. the room. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> he drop kicks a siren. <laughs> Best fight ever yeah oh my god oh christ and a stick yeah yeah um but you're right they didn't quite get tom baker's voice there but i I think they kind of got the voices of the enterprise crew down you know they did did. yes um especially spock oh my god Mm -hmm. i gotta read this bit of dialogue go for it after the doctor you know what i'm talking about too don't you i do do, yeah yeah. the doctor offers uh the crew a jelly baby and Mm -hmm. spock goes fascinating Gelatin confectionery, dusted with starch, and modeled in the shape of a small child. <laughs> because Spock. Because Spock, yes. <laughs> and the doctor's just prancing along, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I like them, they're gummy, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, while we're talking about the flashback, because um, it is such a stylistic change art-wise, let's talk about the art overall let's yeah. throughout this book. What were you thinking here? It was... <sighs> yeah. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. It was basically... It was painted. It was painted artwork. Mm-hmm. But it was done over what were very obviously, and in some cases, very blatant publicity photos. Yes. Which was incredibly distracting. Mm-hmm. I think that the artwork was... I'm glad that if they were going to... I mean, again, when you're dealing with licensed comics, you're going to have to deal with an awful lot of publicity photo mm-hmm. swipes. Mm-hmm. You, just, you just are. I think that the painted artwork, for me, actually helped to draw attention away from that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, even though some of them were, like, just incredibly obvious. Like, you know, this, this, like pictures of Matt Smith, for example, that have been making the rounds for five years. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? That they just it, it, they just just kind of like did a quick, almost a filter over them, mm-hmm. and it wasn't entirely successful, but I did manage to get myself into the mindset of what the artwork was doing, mm-hmm. and based on that, it was not okay. It wasn't awesome. It wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I wish they had been better about disguising the fact that they were swiping publicity photos so blatantly, however. Yeah. Yeah, there were times where I was like, there's one shot of Amy and Rory, uh, it's probably in issue six, seven, or eight. It was definitely near the back of this series mm-hmm. where I was like, I knew the exact episode it came from. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't have the image in front of me right now, so I can't recall it right now. But I was like, yeah, I know exactly. I know that shot exactly. Yeah. You know, um, I think it was like a, during a transporter sequence or something like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, there were times where the art, you know, was really solid. Mm-hmm. Like, damn good. Like, I'm looking at a page now, and it's when everything is starting to go. Like, the doctor realizes something's up that they've just shifted universes, mm-hmm. and it's his face. He's holding that green crystal, and so you got this green light on his face, and you see the cybers and the Borg behind them. Mm-hmm. That is really solid artwork. It is, yeah. But on that same page, just the panel above the doctor's eye, Rory is just a muddy mess. Yeah, and. It's a shame that it wasn't much more cons- the art wasn't more consistent throughout. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm glad it isn't completely the muddy style throughout because that would just be awful. But there mm-hmm. are some times where it's just like, man, like uh, ugly. I really yeah. didn't want to say it, but it gets downright mm-hmm. ugly. It's know? incredibly inconsistent. Yeah. And and that does hurt the book. Mhm. It does. I for me, it never got so bad that I couldn't enjoy it. Mhm. You know, uh, honestly, it really was just the distracting aspect of I've seen these pictures so many times. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the Doctor Who stuff, because there's a lot of the next gen stuff is also very familiar poses and photos. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that was a shame, which is which is why that the, the flashback in, in, in issue three was so refreshing. Yeah, that it was just a completely different art style. It, it felt much more 60s, quite frankly. Yes, it did. It felt much more 60s. And it was much more just straightforward comic book art. Mm-hmm. So, um, if the entire if the entire series had looked like that, I'm not sure I would have appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Because, it, honestly, it's fairly workmanlike at best. Yeah. But because it was done as a kind of, as a break in the action, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm just... Yeah. Agree, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying there. Okay. You know, yeah, it was, it was a very nice breath of fresh air um yeah i mean i get I, I wouldn't have wanted it for the whole series but i think overall i would have preferred it if the art overall wasn't the painted style yeah because that did lead to all the inconsistencies right um i i do wish it was a more traditional penciled style but when but when the art nailed it it nailed it like excellently there's, yeah there's some there's some beautiful beautiful work here yeah yeah, there definitely is. Um, and pardon me, I'm looking at one panel during the flashback, mm-hmm. and it's um, I don't know if you have it open in front I, of you. I don't know. Okay, well, no big deal. But there's a panel where the the, the guy who's showing Kirk and the crew around mm-hmm. are well, show, he's showing them them around, and there's a lady in a skirt walking by, and because uh, you know TOS, yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, Spock is like looking back at her. And I never noticed that Spock is the one that's checking her out. Yeah. And I needed to point... The reason I'm mentioning this is because I said that this happens just before a muck mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And it's like, is, is Pon 4 start? Is that what it's called? Pon 4? Pon 4. Is that starting to set in a little? Is Spock <laughs> looking at her like, hmm? Because mm-hmm. Jim isn't even looking at her, you know? You know. <laughs> it's funny because Jim has that reputation as being the ladies' man. Uh-huh. 
I've actually been doing a rewatch of TOS lately. Mm-hmm. He's really not. Okay. He's much like like women throw themselves at him. Uh-huh. But he's really much more about no, I have to get back to my ship and my crew. Oh, okay. This I mean there's some, yes, because it's the sixties and it's Bill Shatner. Right. But he's really not anywhere near as big of a ladies' man as the reputation would have you believe. Okay. Yeah, like Riker's a ladies' man. Yes, he is. He's a man's man and a ladies' man at the same time. But it's been a while since I've seen a good chunk of TOS, so yeah. I do have it in my head that Shatner, that, uh, that Shatner, that Kirk mm-hmm. is is just like, hey, ladies, what's going on? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll I'll have to watch TOS sometime soon. Well, maybe we'll, uh, we'll 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 think about doing something along those lines. Yeah, and then and then I can check that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now, there, there's something I want to address here, if you don't mind getting yes. off the art there. Not at, all. Not at all. In the episode of Doctor Who that introduced Captain Jack, mm-hmm. Rose blatantly mentioned Spock. Yes. So now that provides a bit of a continuity problem. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's gonna. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, when the Doctor crosses universe, universes, he flat out says, like, I know that man's a Klingon, but I've never heard of Klingon before. I know, you know, why haven't I heard of these planets when I know every single planet before? So they set up that these are two different universes, which I like. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do like that. But how can the Doctor have had a run-in with the... With, with, uh, I, I don't even have the words to explain <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Basically, does Star Trek exist in the Doctor Who universe or does it not? Right. You know, and yes, I'm being very nitpicky about one line. Yeah, you are. But I have a way around it too. <laughs> okay. I absolutely have a way around it. Big oh Bang Two. Okay. I think Star Trek existed in the Doctor Who universe as a TV series, but when the Doctor rebooted the universe, it actually erased Star Trek from the uh, uh Doctor Who universe as a TV show. Okay. Or it could be what the, when the JSA crossover with the JLA, mm-hmm. didn't they say that like the JSA stories were. They were comics. Yeah. They were so, comics in their timeline, yeah. And, but, and then it was like the ideas like flowed over to the JLA universe and the creators of the comics were drawing those comics or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened. Like the, the TOS, TNG, the Star Trek stuff happened in this other reality and then this, they, they created a TV show off of it in the Doctor Who universe. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, actually, did you ever hear what the, the, the cut line from that episode? No. Okay. So, you know, there's that whole thing where, you know, she, where Rose introduces the doctor to Captain Jack as Mr. Spock. And, you know, and the doctor's all, you know, Spock. And she's all, hey, what am I supposed to say? You don't have a name. Doctor Who. There was a cut line after that that didn't make it to air, mm-hmm. which was him saying, well, I'd rather have Doctor Who than Star Trek. Oh my god! Yeah, hmm. why that get cut? Just because it's retarded. Okay, good enough for me. Probably because it was just too too fourth wall breaky. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, to get, I, I, I would like to kind of like talk a little bit about the use of the different characters. Sure. Obviously, there's way too many Star Trek characters to be able to effectively use in a eight-part story, mm-hmm. you know. So they had to kind of, you know, re- obviously it was very Picard-centric mm-hmm. with with a fair amount of Guinan as well. 
Yeah. How do you feel about the use of the other characters? I was okay with it. Mm -hmm. Because we did get those episodes where Deanna was just in the background. Yeah. You know, we did get those episodes where sometimes even Riker or Data were were just in the background. So I just saw this as a Picard episode. Mm -hmm. And because it's the Borg, as you said earlier, it kind of has to be a Picard-centric episode. Sure. So I'm fine with it. It, mm-hmm. it really didn't bother me. The only time it did was there was one point where the doctor showed up. Uh, uh, Dr. Crusher, that is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, she hasn't been in this story. But again, yeah. I, I, would, I just put it out of my mind because sometimes the characters just aren't in the stories, you know? Yeah. I liked it, too. I liked that they that they did not feel the need to give everybody screen time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I liked that basically there was one point where, you know, Picard's like, this thing is broken. Fix it, LaForge. And LaForge says, fixed. And... <laughs> Picard says thank you, and that's pretty much all we see of Jordy. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh-huh. uh, we do get a little bit more of Data. Yeah. We got, we actually get a fair amount of Worf at the end. Yeah, which I liked. And here's the thing. Here's my thing with Worf. I think Worf is an awesome character, mm-hmm. whose sole job on TNG was to get his ass kicked by whatever was invading the Enterprise that week. Yes, every single episode, Worf. You know, you know, you know. Oh, I'm the alien, and Worf just kind of runs at it just gets knocked, like, backhanded across the room, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's all Worf has to do this week. Right, yeah. Whereas here, Worf really was kind of a badass. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, basically, you know, he gives weapons to Amy and Rory, who also did not have much to do in this. No. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. Gives weapons to Amy and Rory and says, look, you know, do, you know, basically, you know, point them at the thing you want to point them at, and you'll be fine. But he's also there to kind of kick ass and take names. And he's got his little group of security detail. And they just cut a swath through the Borg, which is awesome. Because yeah. that's not something that Borg ever really got to do on TV very often. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I liked that they had Troy. And her job was to be as useless as Troy really is. <laughs> <I know. laughs> okay, guys, if you never watch Next Gen, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to do Troy for you right now. Okay. Troy was, you know, she was, you know, the ship's counselor, and she was there to kind of be Picard's advisor. And, you know, you'd have the, the, the view screen would have the bad guy going, I will strip the flesh from your bones, I will drink beer from your skull, I will run sack, I will, you will burn in the vacuum of space, and I will destroy all! And then Troy would go, I think he's angry, Captain. <laughs> That is Troy's job on Next Gen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's all she did in this in this story as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I'm thinking back to the, uh, what was the episode? The Outrageous Okano or... The Outra- yeah, where, Outrageous Okuna. Yeah, where the Rocketeer shows up as Han Solo cosplay. Yeah. And he's just, like, swooning everybody. And, and Troy's just, like... I think he's a bit of a dashing rogue or something. I forget what it yes, is. Yes, I think but that's it. He's a he's a rogue. He's a dashing rogue. Yeah, it is so <laughs> awful. It's like, it's, oh my god, woman. That character was just terrible. Yeah, and I mean, it's no it's no fault of uh, what was her name, uh, Maria Sardis. Uh, well, she certainly didn't help. It, no, no, she right, but it, it really <laughs> no. They didn't know clue what it. It was just a bad character. They didn't know what to do and couldn't get rid of for some reason. Yeah, unless unless they were doing the whole will they or won't they with Riker. You know, yeah. or later on, will they, won't they, with Worf? She was useless. I, yeah. and, it's, and it's a shame because there was a lot of potential for that character. Well, the thing is, I, I, I actually know, I know why they didn't get rid of her. I know exactly why they didn't get rid of oh, her. Oh, well, yeah, I, I got two reasons for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was, yeah, she, she had two major things 
going on that, that they, they kept her around for. Yeah. Oddly enough, though, she was sexier when they actually put her in the Starfleet uniform. So much so. Yeah. So much so, yes. Now, maybe that could have been because we, in a way, maybe we got tired of seeing her in her little silky dresses or whatever. Yeah. So it was more appealing to see her in less. I don't know. But I, I, I'll I, take her in a Starfleet uniform. And I don't mean encounter at Farpoint where she's got that bad hair and that stupid skirt. Yeah. You know, I mean the full on, I'm actually a member of this crew. Yeah. For, don't, don't forget, I actually have a rank. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would prefer in, those cost, in that costume than her skimpy thingies yeah thingies thingies dresses mike dresses <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know but yeah so i think that they that they really did manage to i mean everybody at least got a little bit of facetime mm-hmm. and was used really well in their facetime yeah. but they did not feel the need to shoehorn everything in right yeah um now going back to what you said a moment ago about this primarily being a picard story yeah what did you think about the doctor taking Picard to the future and showing him that if they do not stop the Cybermen right now, mm-hmm. this is this is what'll happen. What did you think about that? I thought that it's something that Doctor Who doesn't do often, mm-hmm. but it has done before. Yeah, I could only think of the time he did it with Sarah Jane in the Pyramids yeah, of Mars. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that I think that it's something that had to happen in order to get Picard to play ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it was incredibly well done. Yeah. Very effective because it was. It was just scene after scene after scene of the this borged up Cybermen just rampaging through the galaxy. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and and they saved Starfleet Academy for last. Yeah, that was the thing that I actually I actually that was very effective. Mm-hmm. That Starfleet Academy had kind of become the last refuge of humanity, and then they just they just cut a swath through it. Yeah, once they decided that they were ready to just completely crush humanity. Mm-hmm. And it was it was an incredibly well done scene. Yeah, yeah. I thought. Okay, yeah, because and, and, oh, and it is. I'm sorry, and it is what finally gets Picard to to say, okay, you know what? All right, fine. Because it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm in a complete agreement there because you're right, Doctor. How often has Doctor Who done that? I can I can really only think of Pyramids of Mars. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the big one. Yeah, I think it's been done maybe once or twice other times that I can't think of it all. Okay, but, but yeah, I I. I like that it took the doctor, because the doctor even says, I do not, something like, I do not usually reveal my true nature so quickly or so easily or something like that. Right. And I like that he had to kind of break his own rules to show Picard, yeah, look, you really, really need to take care of this right now. We have to form an alliance with these people. I know mm-hmm. they hurt you, but we have to do it. And it worked for me. It, yeah. it really did. Yeah. Um, now, earlier, I was going to say something about licensed comics, and then I held back, and I said, I'll save it for the end. Okay. Um, so, um, at the end of this... Okay, but no, wait, wait, let me, before I get to that. Normally, mm. licensed comics, especially when you cross over uh, mm. one property with another, right. don't have any lasting repercussions on either of the series. Right. The only one I can think of off the top of my head where that statement is untrue is um, the time that Stormwatch crossed over with Aliens. Mm, yeah. Because that the Alien cross, the crossover with Aliens completely destroyed Stormwatch, which led mm-hmm. to the foundation of the Authority. Right. So, and I'm not... You know, and, and, I, and I love the way I love the way that was handled. And I'm not saying it because, oh, it was Warren Ellis and I'm a Warren Ellis fanboy. You know, it was just handled well, you know. Right. Here, the final page has lasting repercussions on the Star Trek Next Generation uh, 
uh, uh, universe. Yes, it does. Because this is what gives the Borg the idea to look into time travel, which leads to First Contact, the movie. Yes, it does. So I, I enjoy. I really did enjoy that. What about you? Oh, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. I did. I thought that was great. I think that they, they basically used this as a way to explain something that is already that we already know about. Right. Yeah. You know, because the thing is, is that time travel is taken as something that's difficult, but something that exists in Star Trek. Right. Always has done. Like ever since TOS. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, all you have to do is like, you know, you slingshot and run the sun and, you know, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know how that works, but apparently it does. Nah, you know. And it's just done. It's just, you know, something that it's dangerous. We don't do it. We, you know, but it can be done and it has been done. So if they never explained the board getting time travel, no harm, no foul. Right. But they had the opportunity to do so here and they did. And I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it works for me that it's literally the last thing in the book. Yeah. You know, so even though the day has been saved and the 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 Cybermen have been destroyed and mm-hmm. the Borg are sort of rebuilding, you know, it it still ends on an ominous note. Yeah. You know, and it's like, "Oh, yeah, because as you said, like we know what's coming. You know, we know they're going to rebuild. We know what they're going to try next, and it's kind of the doctor's fault that that happened." <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. Although I did like what well, like like they're you know during the final battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they basically, the doctor has basically given, like, built everybody the glitter guns. Oh, yeah. From Revenge of the Cybermen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, made them less terrible, but yeah, yeah. basically said, look, this will suffocate them until they figure out how to get around it. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you yeah, know, a little callback to that. Yeah. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. And I love the scene where the doctor convinces the aliens whose world it is to let them do their thing oh yes yes let's it's talk about that it's a very doctor who moment mm-hmm. where you know the because you know the aliens are you know they're friends of the federation but they're very insular they don't want to really deal with the outside world at all they don't want anybody on their planet but they know that there, there is a, like a treaty in place because it's good for them but you know they need to like go into forbidden areas they need to do all kinds of things and you know they need to save the universe mm-hmm. and of course they're they're very they don't want to do it like, you know, we understand what you're saying, but I just, it's just so against what we do here. And the doctor stands there and gives them, like, very friendly, speaks to them, you know, in a very friendly manner, in a very reasonable manner, but lists all these reasons why they should help them. Mm-hmm. And says, I could tell you that this will actually save your lives, and that would be true. I could tell you that doing this will give you bargaining power with the Federation, and that would be true. Or I could say that, you know, it lists like, like five or six things, yeah. and all of them is just, and that would be true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a wonderful, wonderful moment. Yeah. That it, it's, it's like the most doctorish thing he's done in this entire thing. Yeah. Well, uh, 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 one of the reasons that works for me is because mm-hmm. the doctor really doesn't know any of these alien races. Right. You know, they're completely foreign to him. And so he doesn't know how this guy, what it's going to take to convince this guy. So he mm-hmm. just throws, literally throws everything out there. Yeah. You know, it could help you politically. Maybe that'll work. Maybe it won't. You know, he literally does not know what this guy is going to latch on to. And we don't even exactly know wh- why the guy does it, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it's very Doctor Who. Um, and because if it was like the, let's just say, the Jadoon, he knows what to say to the Jadoon to convince them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because he has no clue who these people are, it's like, okay, here's just everything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so well done. Love it. It really is. Mm-hmm. We've been talking much more about Star Trek than about Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. As we discuss this this storyline, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know we're we've been talking about Doctor Who for five years. <laughs> yeah, 
but um, it really is interesting because a you know the crew of the Enterprise gives us a point of view of the Doctor that we might not always think about. Mm-hmm. But it's because the funny thing is, is that this, I mean, to me, and it really did feel much more like a Doctor Who story than a Star Trek story. Because the Doctor really is the one kind of in control of everything. Mm-hmm. Or at least guiding everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the one that has to, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that the Enterprise crew does is, is, is Picard not wanting to team up with the Borg. Right. And so that just becomes another hurdle for the Doctor to overcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So for guys, the you know the guys that are listening to this because you're you know you're bigger on the inside listeners, this is definitely worth reading because you know a it's Star Trek, Star Trek is awesome, but also it really is a very good Doctor Who story. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might go on. There was really no need for this to be eight issues. No. At the end of the day, no need at all. Uh, you very very easily could have trimmed this to at least six, possibly even four. Mm-hmm. So you might find places where it's kind of dragging a little, mm-hmm. and you know, as we were saying before, it's it exposes TNG for its uh, love of meetings. Yeah, but it's it's I think it's worth checking out. It really is. Mm. I'll tell you, Mike. I can't even tell you how many times in my head. I never wrote it down on paper, but in my head, how many times I fanficked this 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 exact story. <laughs> okay, when I was younger. Okay. You know, seriously, like Star Trek came on in 87. Mm -hmm. So I was entering junior high at that point, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, by the time like 90, 91 rolled around, I was a Doctor Who fan as well. So, I mean, this was growing up. This was my Star Trek at that age. And also I was huge into Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. So in my head, I wrote them meeting a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) (laughs) so it absolutely was. It was. I'm so I can't believe it took this long for them to do this. Yeah. Like officially, I mean, obviously people have been writing this kind of story also for a long, long time. Right. You know, in in fanfic circles, but yeah, it's just it's just it's just really awesome to to kind of you know, take these two properties that I love so much. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and also for what, at least one issue, throw TOS into it as well. Yeah. You know, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I'm just saying I can't. Yeah. I don't know why they picked Next Gen specifically, but I'm glad they did. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a curious question. I never, I never even it, thought about it. Because you know? it honestly seems like, to you, other than the fact that you know that way you've got the Cybermen and the Borg. That's probably it. Yeah. Yeah. Because because otherwise, with Deep Space Nine, the Borg never showed up there. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 a huge part of Cisco's backstory because he lost his wife at Wolf Three Five Nine. Right. Um. But yeah, the Borg never show up there. There's, there's really, outside of the Cardassians, there's and the Jem'Hadar. There's no aliens you could team up with Doctor Who aliens. It just, it just probably made the most sense, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you were going to do a whole retro flashback series, like we saw for a couple of pages in issue number three. You know. Right. Right. Um. Anything else you want to say about this? Well, I guess, I guess my, my final thoughts are like, what, do, what do you think about this overall? Did you, did you like it? Yeah, I I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, mm-hmm. I think reading all eight issues in one sitting was a mistake. I agree with that. Because, again, that goes back to the format of TNG being exposed. Right. And the meeting starting to get on my nerves. Right. You know? But if you read it, like if you buy, if you can find these in issue format or you buy this as a trade paperback, I'd say read an issue or two. Set it yeah. down, read an issue or two. You know, read it like that. 
don't do yeah. it all in one sitting. And if yeah. you do, you will, you definitely will enjoy those. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is out actually as two trade paperbacks. Oh, that's right. Each, it is. Yeah. Each one collecting, uh, four issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably like reading one of those trade paperbacks is probably plenty for an afternoon. Mm-hmm. You, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed this quite a bit, actually. Um, it's not super fantastic. It's not going to change your life, but I love that. It, I love that it exists. Mm-hmm. I love that it is. I love that it is next gen. Mm-hmm. Even though I am much more of a TOS guy at heart, I have you know just incredibly fond memories of next gen. Because mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, they're one in one A. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. for me, you know, I love TOS and I also love next gen. And it, these two worlds just work together really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the art's not brilliant, but it's good enough. Mm-hmm. And that cover of issue one is awesome. Yeah. You know? I, I assume we're talking about the doctor sitting on in the, Picard's chair, right? That's actually not the one I was talking about, oh. although that one is really cool. Which one are you talking about? I'm talking about the one of the Enterprise chasing the TARDIS through oh, the Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so, but again, we, we did wind up talking about Star Trek quite a bit. <laughs> Almost as if that's kind of something that we're kind of gearing towards. <laughs> yeah. All I ask is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Engineering division ready, as always. Your mind to my mind. Bloody. Don't you think you should rephrase that your thoughts to my thoughts well either choke me or cut my throat make up your mind i can't change the laws of physics that thing must be destroyed we tried to destroy it once before Commodore. the result was a wrecked ship and a dead crew doctor you are a sensualist you bet your pointed ears i am live long and prosper Edge of Forever, a continuing look at the Star Trek universe, coming to Earth2.net and iTunes in May.